Hello, everyone. This is George Mapp with the Carolina Tar Wheels. Today we have Ann Groninger here. She is a bike law attorney. And what that means, as I understand it, is that she represents clients in personal injury cases, but also a big part of her role is advocacy at the local, state, and federal. And has uh, she gives talks. She, she does podcasts like this one. She's spoken to her bike club, the Tar Wheels, and she has a blog, and she's written a pamphlet on bike law for uh, uh, Rules of the Road from North Carolina. She's an expert in North Carolina uh, bike law, and she also advocates for uh, improving our bike laws as well at the state level. Uh, one of the uh, reasons that I uh, wanted to chat with Ann today was stem from a conversation that I had uh, with uh, Heidi Perry, one of our bike club members, a few weeks ago, and we were talking about someone who got hit by a car, and we were talking about insurance coverage, and Heidi mentioned that your car insurance would cover you in a situation like that. I had no idea. I've been <laughs> commuting for over 10 years, and I had no idea my bike insurance would, uh, my car insurance would cover me in a, in a bike uh, accident like that. So the the main takeaway today is that we all need to review our car insurance policies yeah. and make sure that we have them set up properly. Yeah. But before we go into that, okay. uh, I just wanted to say that uh, Anne is um, not only talks the talk, she walks the walk and, and rides the ride. <laughs> uh, she's an avid cyclist. And, uh, Anne, when did you first uh, start cycling? I think I was five. (laughs) I have always loved bikes. Um, Even when I was young, I was always pushing the boundaries of where I was allowed to ride and what I was allowed to do with my bike. And um, so I've I've always been passionate about bicycling. But um, I guess I started broadening my bicycling bicycling interests in the maybe in the late '90s. Um, Started mountain biking, and then I started road riding with groups and. Um, you know, when I got into work and was able to afford to live close to work, um, close enough to work, I would bike to work, and I mean, I still do that today. Bike to the courthouse, that sort of thing. Okay. So, yeah. And do you do bike events like club rides and that sort of yep. thing? Yeah, everything. Uh, a little bit of racing now and then, charity rides. I don't. I don't have a, a set group that I ride with all the time. I like to get out and, and meet different groups and meet different people, and I think that's part of the fun of cycling. I was impressed to read when I was Googling you that, that sometimes you get up at like 5 a.m. and go uh, out and ride with a group of early morning cyclists. I did that for quite a few years. I haven't managed it as much this year. Things have gotten busier and, and whatnot. But, uh, but yeah, there's a great um, group in Raleigh that, that rides at 5.15 in the morning. I actually have to leave my house about 4, 4.30 to get there. But, um, yes. That's wonderful if you can give, drag yourself out of bed that early. <laughs> <laughs> Not me. <laughs> Your training is done for the day, you know, and then you can just enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, like I say, the, uh, the main takeaway, I think, for uh, that I'd like to emphasize today is something I didn't know is about the um, mm-hmm. insurance coverage for cyclists. So mm-hmm. I was wondering if you could sort of tell us about what kind of coverage we should have. I'm so glad you brought that up because that's really one of my favorite topics. And um, no matter how much I talk about it, which is a lot, I, every group 
talk that I do, um, you know, every time I talk to people individually about bike law, I always talk about this topic. Um, but yet I'm constantly running into people that have no idea. And, and why would you, unless you do this all the time, uh, insurance agents really a lot of times are misinformed about it. But, um, what it is, is if you look on your auto insurance policy on the front couple pages, which we call the deck pages, and it'll show you what your coverages are. And one of them should be uninsured and underinsured motorist coverage. And the way that that works is if you are on your bicycle and you're hit by a car and the car does not have enough insurance or doesn't have any insurance to cover what your damages are, then your own policy will kick in. Um, and it's no fault or well, it's, it's based on the fault of the driver. So it's not like you're going to get punished for using it. It's actually a very inexpensive coverage. Um, and I, I would take it absolutely the most that, that you can get. Um, I don't mind saying that I have a million on my policy and it costs me an extra $20 a month. Every insurance company is a little bit different, so you have to call your own insurer. If they tell you that they cannot give you more uninsured, underinsured than you have liability coverage, that is not true. That's not the law. They may choose to do that as an insurance company and you can shop around until you find one that will. Um, a lot of people tell me that they have an umbrella policy and um, wonder if their umbrella policy has uninsured, underinsured coverage. It's not typical. Um, some do, but you have to really read the policy to find out if that's in there. So. so this would also cover you in the event of a hit and run as well, right? Correct. There's a little bit of a qualification there. In North Carolina, there has to be physical contact. So I mean, we've seen some cases where um, someone's forced off the road because of a quick turn or something like that, but there's no actual contact, um, you're going to have a hard time getting underinsured coverage in that instance. But yes, if a car comes by, hits you and leaves, then your underinsured coverage would kick in. And a lot of people aren't aware of that either. Correct. Yeah, yeah I think some of our um, club members have been riding with video cameras these days. Yeah, uh, right. Well, video cameras are interesting. Um, I, I have had a case where there was a video camera and it was extremely helpful. But keep in mind that video cameras also record bad cycling behavior. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I mean, when you have a video camera, there's no doubt. Yeah, so there's pros and cons of it. When situations happen, people get irate. There's often a lot of swearing and things that follow, and that might not be very pleasant. But, but anyway, I know a lot more people are riding with them, and, and in some instances they have been helpful. Before I, I talked to Heidi, uh, I always thought my health insurance policy would cover... Uh, me in an accident situation. Mm -hmm. Well, now you're getting into my least favorite topic. <laughs> it does. Every health plan is different, so I can't speak specifically to any, you know, because you've got private company health plans, you have individual health plans that people buy on their own, you've got Medicare, you got state employees. I mean, there's so many different types, and within each category, there's all different types, too. So everyone is different. Occasionally, a health plan will require some information or communication from you before they pay expenses related to a crash where there's, some, where there's someone at fault. And we always tell all of our clients, I mean, this is a matter of course, if you're taken by ambulance to the hospital, use your health insurance. Um, and that, that gets into a kind of a complicated area of the law, which is not a good topic for today. But um, use your health insurance and um, give that information to the hospital. Don't give them the driver's information. It doesn't work that way. So the driver's insurance doesn't pay along the way. They give you, they'll settle for a lump sum at the end or you'll get a judgment and they'll have to pay that. But along the way, you want your bills paid. You don't want collection companies coming after you. So you use your health insurance. Um, the catch is that your health insurance plan might want their money back. So we spend a lot of time dealing with that. And in fact, you know, there are a lot of times where people contact me 
with questions about a crash, and it might be a fairly minor crash. In a lot of those instances, I, I give people advice on how to deal with it themselves. You know, maybe they don't need, it's not that complicated, they don't need a lawyer, but what is often the catch is that health insurance reimbursement request. It's really, um, it's a very tricky and technical area of the law that changes constantly. Anytime there's a possible reimbursement request, we gather the health plan information and we read the plan and look at the language and, you know, advise our clients accordingly. But it's, yeah. Anyway, but the bottom line is use your health insurance and we'll figure the rest out later. Yeah, and I guess uh, there is a lot of complexity involved because the police officer at the scene may not fully understand the bike law that applies yeah. when they uh, press charges or the mm-hmm. DA or whatever. Right. And the insurance adjuster may not understand um, what they should be covering as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and those two aren't necessarily connected, but um, to address the first one, you know, that's very true, and it varies from municipality to municipality. You know, some places do a really good job of training police officers on what the bicycle laws are, and then some of, like, I know Durham has called in um, an expert, uh, uh, Steve Goodridge, I believe, has done training in, in Durham of police officers to help them understand the bicycle laws. You know, it's a problem that we have a lot in, in Charlotte, uh, other municipalities. But anyway, it's, it's very common that police officers aren't educated. A lot of bicyclists aren't educated on what, on what the laws are. Right. And that's why I wrote the Ride Guide, the North Carolina Ride Guide, which is a little the booklet that's available on our website. Anyway, and, and the more serious the crash, the more likely they're going to call in the expert reconstructionists from the police department or from the highway patrol, and they are going to know what the, the law is or have a better idea of it. So, But it is something that we run into all the time where people are... Um, not charged, drivers aren't charged where they should have been, or just the crash is just written up wrong. You know, they'll take the, the cyclist is being carted off in an ambulance, and so the only person to talk to is the driver, and there, there's the driver's side of the story on the crash report. So we, where we can, we, we get involved and try to change it, or where it really matters, um, you know, we, we will contact police departments and work with them to try to make that right. Um, all that said, when it comes to the civil case and insurance adjusters, the crash report may have some impact psychologically on what the adjuster thinks, but um, in the long run, it really doesn't have an effect on the case. You know, it, it, well, I shouldn't say that. It, it may have a psych- psychological effect on the case, um, but it's not admissible in court unless the officer is an expert that can testify that he measured everything out and, um, you know, came to a scientific conclusion. You know, if it's just taking the driver's statement and writing it down, then he has to say, well, this is what the driver told me. <laughs> Did I do any of my own investigation? No, I didn't. You know, so that's how it works. You think I recall from the, the talk you gave to the Atar Wheels that you advised anyone who had been involved in an accident to be very careful what they say to the police in terms of, like, uh, how far away were you when this mm-hmm. happened, yeah. that it's very difficult to make those uh, judgments. Yeah. And that if you say something, police officer writes it down, then that goes to court, and that's evidence that it could be used. Whereas you may not be in a situation where you could judge that distance Correct. accurately, yes. and especially under duress in a situation like that. Yeah, you said it exactly right. I mean, when you're hip, I think when you're hit by a car, you really can't make a judgment about anything. I mean, some people can't even make a judgment about whether they're hurt. You know, we've had people say, oh, I'm totally fine, and they'll go home, and once the adrenaline wears off, they're like, oh, I have pain in my arm or pain in my leg, and they go to the hospital, and they've got a broken bone. If you can't judge whether your bone is broken <laughs> at the scene, then you're not going to be able to tell somebody, well, I was five feet 
away when the car pulled out in front. You know, there's just no way to make that judgment. And, you know, I think police officers are generally pretty good about realizing that. I don't think they drill people for that specific information. What they want to know is the, the general dynamics of what happened. And that's fine to say. I was riding my bike down the road and the car pulled out of this road right in front of me. You know, and then if they get into more specific, well, how far were you away? I don't know. Um, how much time did it take before you hit the car? I don't know. You know, there's no way that you can judge that under those circumstances. Now, right. can you go out later to the scene with a measuring tape and a stopwatch and figure that out? Maybe that's possible. And then, then it's a more informed um, piece of information. So that that's why I say that. Because once you say, oh, I was definitely 10 feet away, then that's your statement. And, you know, you can qualify it later on, but it's not going to go away entirely. Right, so. right. And I guess in North Carolina, we're not dealing with a no-fault situation here. Well, it's actually worse than no-fault. We're what's called a contributory negligence state. Um, and that's as opposed to uh, most states, which are known as comparative fault states. So in a comparative fault state, you would compare the fault of the two parties and make an award accordingly. So if one person, if, if say the driver's 80% at fault and the bicyclist is 20% at fault, then the cyclist would get 80% of their damages. Seems fair, right? Um, in North Carolina, under the same scenario, the cyclist would get zero um, just because there is any fault at all. So it's, that's, it's, we're a pure contributory negligence state. And when I tell other lawyers that in other states, they kind of wince. I mean, because it's, it does make it more difficult. It's just a constant battle because insurance adjusters and sometimes jurors will take that to an extreme and require the person who's claiming to be damaged to um, be sort of, I guess, omnipotent, you know, to be able to foresee the future, that this car is going to pull out and, and to react absolutely perfectly. And that's not really what the law is, but that's what we fight against, you know, because if I can prove 1% fault, you get nothing they come up with all sorts of things to to argue that there was some fault on the part of the cyclist. So it's really important um, when you have somebody pick someone to fight for you to have somebody who understands cycling behavior specifically um, and who does a lot of bicycling cases and understands how the dynamics between bicycles and motor vehicles work. Right. When you say they wouldn't get anything, does that mean they wouldn't get anything from their car insurance uh, policies or would the health Correct. insurance would the health insurance would would cover that? Yes, your health yeah. insurance would still so that's still cover. you know that's to cover you if you incur a medical expense for whatever reason. I yeah. see. Okay. Yeah. As long as it's covered under your policy. I see. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's we're just dealing with drivers, um, liability insurance, and then of course you know if your if your own coverage comes into play, your motor vehicle coverage comes into play, then that's what we're dealing with. So people who don't have a car, can they get something that's the sort of the same as, as the, those who do have car insurance that would cover them in, in a motor vehicle accident situation? It's possible. It's called a non-owner policy. Um, you know, if you don't have a car and you can't get a non-owner policy, you know, make sure that you really have really good health insurance, really good disability insurance um, to cover you if you're out of work. You know, you're not going to get your pain and suffering or the types of damages that are allowed under North Carolina law in a um, liability situation, but at least you'll be saved from a catastrophic, you know, catastrophic situation where, you know, you can't pay your mortgage. So accidental death and dismemberment would come into play in uh, a serious accident? If you, um, I mean, it just depends. You know, there's all sorts of 
there's all sorts, and I'm not an expert in um, that type of insurance coverage, but I know um, just from dealing with a lot of clients who have it and my own personal experience that, um, you know, you can you can purchase a lot of different types of policies. You know, you can purchase long-term care policies. You can purchase um, accidental death um, and dismemberment policy. You can uh, short-term disability, long-term disability, all of those things. Yeah, I always thought that was a good thing to have. It's very inexpensive and... Uh, yeah. Uh, because, uh, you want your you family know, to be taken care of. Absolutely. Yeah. Does do, do home insurance policies? Uh, I mean, some some people uh, mm-hmm. have you know expensive bikes, yeah, and do, yeah. if you're if you're for some reason you have a uh, fall or, or whatever, your bike gets damaged. Is that covered under your home insurance policy? It can be. Yeah, we've we've seen that, and in some in some cases where we represent somebody and the driver's insurance denies the claim, maybe they say they're not at fault, whatever reason. In some cases, our clients have gone ahead and had their damage covered under their homeowner's policy for their bicycle. Um, you know, the only thing there is there's a deductible. So if you have a $2,500 deductible and you have a $3,000 bike, then it's probably not worth it because your rates are going to go up. But it's worth calling your homeowner's insurance to find out. If the driver who hit you has coverage, it's worth waiting to, to find out whether you can settle the property damage with them. Because most of the time, that's, that is going to happen. You're not going to have to deal with a deductible, and your rates won't go up. I see. Yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, so um, I, we probably touched on this, but um, in an accident that does not involve a motor vehicle, if it's a fall or two cyclists coming together, mm-hmm. that sort of thing, what, yeah. how does insurance play out in a situation oh. like that? Well, I don't like to ever sue cyclists, but I have talked to a number of people who have been in that situation, and what would happen is um, if one cyclist sued another, it would be their homeowner's coverage. In fact, I did have somebody, a cyclist, call me one time and tell me they were being sued by another cyclist, and my advice was to contact his homeowner's insurance to provide coverage and a defense. Because you don't want to fork out money to have a lawyer defend you. In that instance, you'd be paying them, you know, probably some hourly rate to do that. And so your homeowners would probably provide coverage for that. Um, for medical expenses and that sort of thing? Well, well. Uh, yeah, if you were found to be responsible. But be- before that even, they would provide a defense. So, you know, if you're a cyclist, you run into somebody, they sue you, you call your homeowners, and they, they give they'll provide you a lawyer and... And then if you lose the case, (laughs) then they'll provide coverage to the other cyclist. You know, there are other instances where homeowner's insurance provides coverage. We've represented a number of people that have been, you know, pretty seriously injured by dogs. As long as you can pinpoint where the dog came from, (laughs) and then you also have to show that the homeowner was negligent in how they kept the dog in some way. There's a number of different hurdles to jump over, but if you can meet them, then the homeowner's insurance of the dog owner would provide coverage for that. I see. There's one other topic that I thought we'd just talk about briefly. Our club has insurance uh, with the League of American Bicyclists. Mm-hmm. And whenever we have an event, uh, like a Bike Fest every mm-hmm. year, people who sign up, there's a waiver involved. Yeah. And, of course, we have a similar waiver for group rides. So uh, the waiver protects against lawsuits against the bike club, right? Mm-hmm. It depends how it's worded, but <laughs> typically then that's the case. And not the bike, just the bike club, but also the, you know, the leaders or uh, people involved in setting up the event typically isn't included in the waiver. Right. If someone was to claim that the ride was unsafe for right. some reason yeah. and that you were negligent, the club was negligent mm-hmm. in uh, setting up this bike ride. Yeah. So that waiver would protect the club against 
mm-hmm. that sort of thing, right? And yeah. the officers, as you say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, just from the standpoint of of being a lawyer who might represent the person, the injured person, um, I'll say that those types of cases are very, very difficult. I've looked at a number of them and had to, you know, and unfortunately, sometimes the person's really hurt, and I've unfortunately had to tell them that they, they don't have a, a legal claim of action because they're, you know, people can fall, um, uh, and, you know, it, they might be on a ride that's planned by a ride club, but it's at no fault of the ride club. I did just wrap up one. It was a very unusual circumstance where we did feel there was some responsibility. It wasn't a ride club, but it was an, an organized event, and um, we did feel that there was responsibility there. But it was very extreme circumstances, um, so those are pretty rare. But, uh, but yeah, it's good that you have a waiver, um, and it's good that you have insurance, too. We asked our insurance company some questions just to lead up to the interview, and what we found was that if you're a member, you can uh, sign a waiver once a year. Mm-hmm. But if you're a non-member and you go on one of our rides, you have to sign that waiver every time. And, and that entitles the rider to like a $10,000, like um, after all the other uh, claims are met, mm-hmm. the other insurance has been paid an additional $10,000, mm-hmm. something like that. Okay. Well, you're asking me, but it sounds like you guys are really on top of it. I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's, I think that's a great idea. I don't think that's legally required, but um, I think it's, or maybe your insurance company requires it, but I think it's a great idea to say, okay, if you sign up as a member, um, at the same time, you can sign this waiver that says that you're waiving, you know, that you're, that you're signing this waiver for a year. Um, if you're not a member, we can't make you do that. Um, I mean, you, you can, I guess, if, if, you know, people show up for the ride, you can have them sign whatever waiver you want. But that's kind of a nice way to set it up and a, a bonus for membership that you don't have to sign that waiver every time you show up. Right. And, and I guess one of the things I, I was sort of curious about is uh, we don't actually sign things these days. We do a lot over the web. Sure. So yeah. when we sort of say that we agree when we're mm-hmm. checking out and we're paying and everything, that's the same as a regular signature, right? Yeah. I mean, if, it, if you can show that they read it and acknowledged it and agreed to it, then by whatever means... Um, yeah, and you know, I mean, all of those things are really just the, the likelihood of the club being found responsible, especially in this in this state, um, are pretty small. And so you're really, I mean, I, I strongly encourage clubs to do that, um, but you're really covering your behind on on it. I see. Yeah, I see. And there, I think there is a uh, accident report form that we're supposed to fill out. Okay, if there is a incident. Uh, Sounds like that's an insurance company requirement. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Well, good. Yeah. So, okay, well, um, I guess I I wanted to just underline again that the takeaway from this should be that you and I should, all of us should (laughs) review our UI, uninsured, underinsured part of our car insurance policy and make sure it is adequate for our needs. And what that means is to max it out in most cases, right? Yeah. Well, if you want a written guideline, um, Google bike law, um, UIM, UM, uh, it should come up, and it's it's a pretty helpful reference, and it talks not just about UM, UIM, but it also talks about other types of insurance that people who ride bikes might look into. And the uh, Bike Law website? It was originally founded by Peter Wilborn in, Charles, in Charleston, South Carolina, and then um, we came together in the early 2000s and formed North Carolina Bike Law. Um, and that went on for a while. In the meantime, uh, Bob Mianski was out on the West Coast. Uh, he was one of the earliest bike lawyers ever, and he's written a, a treatise on bicycle law. And so then we came together and now uh, expanded it to for the last couple of years throughout the country. So the number of states now that have joined us 
So, and every lawyer that's a part of bike law is required to be a passionate bicyclist and, and care about the interest of bicyclists. Okay. Well, um, it's easy to find. Just uh, Google Bike Law NC yeah. or Bike Law and <laughs> yeah, Sure, yeah. You Google Bike Law, we're likely to be, the, the, you know, everything on the first page pretty much. Um. Well, thank you so much, Anne, for being with us and for all you do to promote cycling oh, and cycling safety. Well, thank you for spreading the word. This is great because I love to reach people about some of these really important things that they can do to protect themselves because um, I'd like to see... You know, fewer people go through some of the difficult circumstances that a lot of my clients have gone through. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, this is George Mapp for the Carolina Tar Wheels, and we've had Ann Groninger, a bike law attorney, with us today. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Yeah, thank you.